Welcome to the deep place on creativity and spirituality. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Aunty Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. I'm sitting here with Hayley McQueen, who is a British television sportscaster who's worked as a lead anchor on Sky Sports News and a Sky Sports <laughs> Champion League presenter. Uh, is that you, Hayley McQueen, or am I talking to the wrong Hayley McQueen? Most definitely is not me. I, oh, okay. I- seen her picture pop up. She's a lovely looking lady. <laughs> she, you two look actually very similar, which is really <laughs> annoying for you that like the, uh, the other Hayley McQueen in the world is a famous broadcaster presenter who looks really similar to you, like has blonde hair. Um, <laughs> I just, I was looking you up. I was Googling you to like get bio or whatever. And yeah. that's what I came across. But that's not you. You're a different Hayley McQueen. So, I am. I still like sport, though. I oh, am a bit you? of a sport. Yeah. Are you? Bit. There's not yeah. too many creative people types that I talk to who like sport as well as the I creative do. stuff. That's good. I yeah, I get real and real competitive. Like I've got a six-year-old boy and Max, and he he's seen my competitiveness against wow. himself. <laughs> against against himself. Wow. That's that's pretty good. Sounds like some great some great mothering you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta teach them early about these things, don't you reckon? That's true. You know? That's true. So, um, so, um, Haley, if you're not this British broadcaster, who are you? who are you? Um, my listeners would love to know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my name's Haley. Um, second name Joy. Oh, what a lovely second that. name! Yeah. Um. And uh, I'm from Nowra originally, so on the south coast of New South Wales. Um, and I moved up to Sydney when I was um, 17 years old to go and study um, acting. I currently live in uh, Lane Cove, beautiful Lane Cove with the beautiful national parks all around mm. um, with my hubby, Michael, and our little boy, Mac. And we've got a little dog now called Louie. He's a lockdown dog. Um, <laughs> so there is a tiny bit of regret there, if I can say that. Um, oh, that's... Yeah, we're working through it. We're working through okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> Has your new little puppy been like a crazy little puppy that feels like a second child? Yeah, it's completely like a second child. I completely underestimated the whole thing. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of regret. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I've never, our kids are always asking for a puppy and we are not budging from, no, no. this is not happening. Don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're not looking after crazy puppies and Max yeah. and um, and hanging out with hubby, Michael, um, what, are you, what are you doing? What's your creative thing? 
Yeah, so I run a theatre company um, called Clock and Spiel Productions. Um, so I'm the artistic director of that company and I have a wonderful partner, um, Yannick Glory, who also works um, in the business and he is the operations manager. And um, so we run that. We we try to do kind of two to three projects a year and yeah we have a lot of fun doing it i also teach at excelsior college which is a um a tertiary uh, college uh, and they do degrees in theater performance and production and practice and so i've been teaching yeah, there cool. 14 years 14 is, years wow yeah, nuts um yeah. but i just love it i love that aspect of what i do um and the young'uns, oh, my gosh, they, they keep you, you know, current, don't they? <laughs> Teaching young people is just like, yeah, well, every year there's a new kind of wave and you think, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm getting older, but um, <laughs> I'm, I can stay hip, surely. <laughs> <laughs> you're hip, Hayley. Don't worry, you're hip. Oh, Very hip. Thanks, mate. Hip thanks. to the hippie to the hip, hip, hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're a, essentially a theatre maker and yes. are you doing any acting yourself these days or...? Um, or Occasionally, okay. occasionally. So, um, it's certainly what I started out doing, and I still love it. Although, interestingly, I get more nervous now than I ever have before, and I think really? that's because I don't flex that muscle very much. And I think it is absolutely with any creative practice. I think is you know the less you lose it, the more atrophy it gets, and you uh. know, and it's it's an instrument. You have to practice that instrument. And I think yeah, my acting muscle, um, you know, is weak. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I do still love to do it occasionally and, and I will for the right role or the right project, I definitely will. You're lovely. I remember, I can't remember the show that I saw you in years. I mean, I've seen you in a few shows because Hayley yeah. studied with my wife many, many years ago um, at the same college. And um, I, I, I'm trying to remember the show. You were drunk in it is all I remember. And I just was, la I was in stitches, <laughs> weeping in laughter at your drunken self. What was that? What was that show? Was, uh, the Popular Mechanicals. Okay. And it was the, um, yeah, the story of the mechanicals from A Midsummer Night's Dream, but all of it. And, uh, yeah, I was playing Bottom and he was, oh, Bottom and um, another co character called Moldy. Moldy. <laughs> drunk uh, theatrical director. And, uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was fun. It was really. glorious. It was glorious. But these <laughs> days you are, cre you're making theatre for others to act in often and you are, um, teaching theatre, um, Clock and Spiel, um, you have on your, like your little tag, distinctive works, culturally daring and truly human. I really love that kind of byline or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about that. What, what's the heart of those like distinctive works, culturally daring and truly human? It's a beautiful statement about Clock and Spiel. I'm just wondering where did that come from? What's the go with that? So I guess it's a bit of a, a, a mission statement for us and it's the filter through which we choose what to do. Mm. And distinctive works really just means, um, you know, things that perhaps haven't been done before in, mm. in Australia. So we we try to do, um, you know, adaptation, adapt, theatrical adaptations of um, well-known works that aren't 
perhaps seen as much and, you know, trying to tell stories that perhaps theatrically haven't been told before. That doesn't mean mm. don't do well-known plays as well. So distinctive works, things that stand out. Um, culturally daring really means both Yannick and I kind of share a faith. Um, and so I guess we want to kind of approach what we do through kind of pushing back maybe on the cultural norms of the day. So yeah, right. um, And so that culturally daring doesn't quite mean what you think it might mean. <laughs> um, it might be offering um, a different point of view um, uh, against the, the cultural narrative that is pervasive. Um, and that's, you know, we're not kind of, we're trying not to prophetise in any way and our, our theatre is, is certainly fully open and accessible, um, but sometimes we're just offering a different point of view um, wow. against the, the, what's happening. And then the truly human, I guess, as a follow-on from that, we really um, want to be completely warts and all in terms yeah. of the stories we tell. That We really don't want to kind of sugarcoat life or, um, you know, say that, hey, if you, if you have a faith, then everything's okay or, you know, <laughs> that kind of fluffiness. We're really interested in telling stories that, you know, that matter, that are, that slice the human condition open and, mm. and show it there. And that means like all facets, like pure joy and, you know, pure despair or, um, yeah. So that's kind of the the mission, I guess, of us in, um, in a way is to tell those things. So we try to do that. And we also really, really, as a company, want to focus on obviously the product. So like the finished product has to be excellent, of course. Yeah. We also want to have um, be as kind of intentional with the process, and that means to um, really journey with our artists um, that we engage with. We want to honour them with payment. So mm. we're one of the few independent companies who will pay their artists and not necessarily just profit share. Yeah. So we want to bring that honouring and to kind of offer an experience that is safe, that mm. is, you know, um, conducive to creativity, <laughs> to trust um, and to respect. Because I think um, both Yannick and I have experienced over the years that, you know, acting and, and actors are really kind of the the lowest rung on the, on the ladder <laughs> in any given project. And yeah. so, um, and creatives in general in society that we're not kind of esteemed or, um, certainly not financially esteemed. Um, so that's kind of part of our ethos as well is just the excellence in the in the process and the product. It's so good. I like all of those things I love because they, I mean, they translate not only to theatre but to any creative practice, like a creative practice that is, um, that is culturally daring, that is challenging the norms, wh whichever way, whether you are, like I often think about, because um, I would be more kind of left progressive leaning in the world in terms of politics and, and viewpoint and stuff. Um, and I have dear friends who are more right, conservative, et cetera, et cetera. And actually we, it's like, we need to be creating art that challenges both our left and our right, challenges, challenges us all to work out what's the way forward together as humanity. And then to bring in that fullness of humanity, like you're talking about that, 
um, the fullness of joy and the fullness of despair and grief and hope, like all of those things. So much of my own artistry is kind of encapsulated within these values that you guys are upholding. And then on top of that, to take it and and add in that excellence, um, it's not something I think that we often talk about within the creative world but I think it's something that we need to because like we want creativity to be accessible and so we therefore open I think creativity up and say yes come in and play everyone's invited etc etc but then I think we actually need to say but what's it going to look like for us to take our playing with our creativity our fumblings our failings our our, I'm going to try this and that and that but what how am I going to actually take this and craft the best thing that I can out of it so that it communicates fully what I'm trying to communicate in terms of the fullness of humanity, etc. So it's wonderful things. Yeah, so good. I think that's so true that what you're saying there about like, you know, hearing different kind of perspectives. I think that's so important. I think that's what we really value too is, um, I mean, if you, you only ever hear what the echo chamber or the, Mm. you know, the algorithm of the things that you believe or that you, you never, I don't know, truly connect with. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the fullness of humanity or the all aspects or facets. And so we want to be telling stories that do, um, you know, offer, yeah, that kind of smorgasbord. And we did a show recently called Freud's last session. And it um, is an imagined meeting between, um, Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis. Oh, wow. And, of course, um, they have really opposing, um, you know, views um, about existence, philosophy um, and, you know, theology. And it's just like we, we loved it because a play doesn't reach a, you know, no one wins, yeah. but there is a respectful um complex you know um nuanced discussion that doesn't end in um personal shame yeah doesn't end in like um you know what we experience now is that their whole their identity is null and void because they believe you know i don't you know the stuff that we experience now through just modern our modern ways of communicating yeah uh, allow us to have that really beautiful old school debate where you're you are not what you think you know your identity or your value is not um reduced by what you think does does that kind of what know totally. what i mean absolutely, yeah so absolutely. yeah they have this this amazing discussion and it's back and forth and it's rigorous and it's you know smart and so yeah that's the kind of stuff that we you know and we're not telling anyone at the end what to think at all but it's the yeah. act of, you know, um, creating an environment where an audience will sit and they will think about their existence and they will think about, you know, a dis- different perspective or they will, you know, yeah, gain gain more knowledge or they'll, their hearts would be opened or they'll be moved or um, that's the kind of stuff that's that, you know, the culturally daring stuff. That is so good and so needed um, in terms of this world that our immediate first step so often, especially in the creative world, is that cancel culture kind of idea that if you hear someone who has an opposing view, then that's it. They're out of your sphere of influence. Um, I don't think it can be the the worst at that because we're so passionate 
and we really do stand yeah. up for injustice and we you know we do like we do have a really strong, strong sense of what's wrong and right and how we treat people however <laughs> cancelling of yeah. other people just because of you know because they have used incorrect phrasing or they've not thought, fully thought through an idea and then they've presented it as a piece of work and then maybe later they go, oh, no, yeah. I don't, that's not actually what I think. Yeah, so yeah. I think we just need to be yeah. so, you know, we do need to absolutely stand up for what is right, treat people, you know, yes. equally and all of those kinds of things. But but um, we need to have grace for us to work through mm. and learn and educate and all of that stuff so yeah yeah I would if any I just think if anyone got hold of like I don't know the talks that I did when I was oh. like in my early 20s at various things or my in my senior heart like I would be cancelled in an instant because I was an ignorant uh, sitting in the blindness of my own culture without realising it. But it's only through grace that I can come out of that. Like it's only through people going, challenging that perspective and me experiencing a world outside of that and being open to that, um, that has allowed me to become who I am now. But for someone, for the many people who could have just gone, ah, oh, Joel, such a this, this and this, and then rejected yeah. everything, I never would be where I'm at now. Absolutely. No way. I can completely, completely relate to that. And still even now, like constant learning and constant self-realisation. Yeah. And, and because I am white, cisgender, like I am in yes, a beautiful yeah. home, like in a beautiful suburb, like, and it's I'm, it's part of a lineage of privilege and like and of course you just it's very hard to see out of that of course it's my responsibility yeah. to, to see out of that like to experience yeah, or to, yeah. so anyway I love no, I love that you brought it to the present as well because I was talking mm -hmm. past but actually it's just it's so much uh, it's so important to recognise the bubbles that we're in now and the things that we just don't know that we don't know, like the reality that I have no idea about uh, the extent of my blindness from e exactly like you, the cultures that I am a part of, that I have grown up within, et cetera, et cetera, and still carry on today. And I've challenged so much of them, but the reality is uh, that I still live in ignorance to so much that will be revealed over the next few years, <laughs> over all of our lives. Yeah, and I reckon that's a lovely thing about getting a little bit older <laughs> is that yeah. you do, there is like, there is definitely wisdom and there's definitely a slowing down and I think there's like a, in terms of haste, like there's, yeah. you know, when you're young, you're, you're hasty and you 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 make kind of rash things, and sometimes you don't examine. And yeah, I think there's something lovely about that about getting old. It's, it's just a bit of wisdom, isn't it? And a bit more life experience, and um, hopefully ex experiencing other people's journeys will, yeah. Absolutely. And and as I was saying, I think it lies at the heart of our creativity that anyone creating today. Um, if these things aren't at the foremost of our thoughts, then I think we're going to create works that um, that divide rather than point forward. Like as you said, I think um, we need to name injustice, and we need and we do need to call things out when we see it and say, actually, that's not great. Um, but then part of creativity, I think, is pointing a way forward. 
Um, yes. and, and we need to be doing that, which I love that you guys are. It's really, really wonderful. Something's coming to mind, which I'd love to play with, which yeah. kind of feels a little bit risky, and that's wonderful. I like risk. Um, uh, so in, and you can just flat out say, no, nah, we're not doing that, which is totally fine. Um, in, in Deep Place podcast series, this series, we're looking a lot at the creative journey that we go on, um, creative practice, creative process. How do we go deep? Um, but also translate that deepness out into the world. Yes. Uh, and so I've been chatting with various people about their process um, of how they go about doing that. You're a theatre maker, so you're not only doing that for yourself, but you do that in community. You do that with people. Um, and I'm, what my little thought was, as you were talking before, I'm like, hmm, this could be interesting, is we're in community right now, the two of us sitting here chatting. Yes. Um, what, yeah. what if we, like, absolutely, we could just talk about creative process, but what if we yeah. did a little creative development? So let's pretend that I... <laughs> <laughs> this sounds strange. Let's pretend that I'm yeah. I'm a student of yours. I come in. There's a blank piece of paper, and at the end of this podcast, we're going to have a little th theatrical piece. Uh, <laughs> what do we What do we do? Let's just play. Are you up for just playing with it and just seeing? And this could be the the shittest thing we've ever created in our lives, and that's wonderful. So in, at this point of the process, we scrap excellence. Excellence, smexcellence. Absolutely. We don't worry about that. We're just going to create some crappy art right now. Um, do you want to do it? Do you want to play for a second? Do it. Let's, Let's totally do it. <laughs> this is fun. And we, can, can and we can keep talking um, about you as we go because I want to hear more about you, obviously. <laughs> um so let's let's start from blank piece of paper. Um, I've come Thanks. in and I'm like, Haley, let's let's create a thing together. And you're like, yes, Joel, let's do that. And then I say, well, I have a blank piece of paper here. Now what do we do? And you say. And I say, okay, um, do you have a favourite quote? Do I have a favourite quote? Oh, I like that. Um, I have. Or a quote or a word, a word of the day. A favourite quote. Um, Let's go with a favourite quote. One of my favourite quotes is, um, well, we can relate it to what we were talking about before. One of my favourite quotes is, a fish in a bowl doesn't know that it's wet. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, I love that quote and I think about it a lot in terms of um, my own ignorance and entitlement. So maybe that quote, how does that sound? That's good. Fish in a bowl. Doesn't know it's wet. Doesn't know that it's wet. Dude, this is so funny. This is like going against all my like producing hat <laughs> thing. Do you know what immediately I want to ask you? What? It's like, okay, so what is this for? Who is like? What's it going to like? Who who's it going to be to? Who who's your target uh, audience? How many actors are there? Like you know, like all this just like producey type things that I'm like the you know the who what when where why type. Scenarios. So but do you wrestle? Not. Do you wrestle with that then in the immediate development? Do you go to that place? Is that a good place to go to, or do you need to sit in the blank piece well, of paper? I, to 
to run the company yes. as a business, I 1000% have to know the given circumstances, yeah. the purpose, the, you know, the parameters, um, all of that kind of stuff in order to know whether this is something that we can put funds behind. Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of like director hat, then, um, yeah, then it doesn't matter. Let's, let's figure that out later. <laughs> so, yeah. So put direct, so you, so... Do you feel like it's best to put director hat on first and then producer hat? Or sometimes you have to put producer hat on and then go to direction? I think it's for our company, um, I would always put producer hat on first. And then because though, because we're not always creating from, well, I would say most of the time we're not creating from scratch. We're doing a scripted play. Yeah. So, um Therefore, you kind of you have that basis, and and you need to know really key practical things like is the other performance rights available? Um, is the cast size just way too big for us to be able to pay people? Yeah, yeah. Is does it require um, a trapeze like flying in a you know in a space? No, we don't. We're not going to have access to those kinds of things. Or the insurance you know, or such thing. Yes, insurance exactly. <laughs> Yeah, does it centre around it raining on stage? We're not going to be able to afford to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's those really highly practical things. Yeah. And then you've got those practical things, then it's like, does it fit into our ethos? Does it tell, mm. the, does it tell the right, the, does it say what we, we kind of believe or what we want to say? Yeah. Um, is it interesting? Is it funny? Is it like yeah. <laughs> all of that? Stuff? Has it been done before in Sydney in the last two years? Yeah. And by what company? So it's all of those super practical things that you you filter through creative work first. Yeah. But I, I actually really like that in terms of even thinking about the creative process. Like I think it we actually it's it's better to start with some constraints. And and that's what you're doing with the producer hat on. You bring in the constraints straight away and say, actually, because of this, 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 and this, it needs to either be this, this, and this, or we do it like this, this, and this. So producer hat on to start with the constraints and then we flip over to director hat and then perhaps and we create the thing and then later on we put the producer hat back on and go, well, how the hell are we going to sell this thing now? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, and I think you're right. Like those constraints actually breed like so much creativity. You often get, well, I often get quite, you know, overwhelmed or just if you've got too much kind of (laughs) rope, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, the life is to, to, to hang to yourself. Not get there. Yeah, to hang yourself. Yeah, to, to not quite get there. Yeah. So I think within those bounds, it means that the freedom of creativity, just like in like so in the rehearsal room, my responsibility of, as the director is to set out exactly where those actors are going in the physical space at any given moment with props, with movement, with uh, things like that, so that they can then play within that parameter. Uh, yeah. If they don't know where they're supposed to be at any given moment, then they're not going to feel, you know, um, safe, in control, yeah. um, ability to connect deeply with the with the thought processes of the characters and, and, and to be fully in the moment because wow. they're worried about what the physical path is. So that, like, those, I think, creative parameters are just so important so that you can then play within that. Oh, it's so freaking good. Um, and again, translating it to any art form to have those creative par- parameters, especially if we are going to go deep, like if creativity calls us to go to the deep places within, if there's not a safety there, 
then we're not mm. we're not going to go there because it's too risky. Like it's too, um, and I think I, I have seen that time and time again, especially within poetry world and performance poetry world, where there is, there is a lot of like therapy on stage, like bleeding on stage, um, and and I think it actually, um, I, I think what what could have been a beautiful piece if yes, go to that deep place, but have the constraints beforehand work through uh, like your creativity is always going to be therapy for us and then taking that and developing that in the best way that you can to bring that out to the audience I think it's just going to be so much more effective but allowing yourself I just I love that idea that actually to go deep we first need to give ourselves some constraints some creative parameters and say let's let's make a safe place here in our own personal creative practice to then have the freedom to dive deep and play in the waters of our creative splashing and sploshing it's wonderful yeah and what it, like if it is um that creative thing that you're working on if it is for other people for consumption by other people then you need to make it not all about you so you have to give, mm. you know, can you absolutely can go deep and all of that, but you, it, it, it has to be kind of, uh, I guess we have to provide the audience, in my case, with light and shade and valley for our peaks. Yes. And because if we just, we just kind of hammer, as you said, with that kind of um, therapy on stage stuff, it's it actually becomes not accessible and it, mm. it, it becomes almost a wall. You know, did you ever see that amazing, I mean, you would have, Nanette. Yes, um, yes. By, I guess, she, I Gatsby. mean, she just did beautifully that it was like in real deep and then we went, oh, we just got out a bit for a bit of a breather and then we went, oh, do, 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 and then we went around here and then, oh, oh, where we are, we're in deep again and then we've created a bit of light and then, like, it just, it worked so well. It was therapy on stage. It, yeah. However, the difference, right? It was contained. Because it was contained. And because we were, she was. It was so clever. Yes. In terms of structure and the way that she provided the audience with just enough light and shade, and so it, yeah, it's really good. Look, we are just so stoked to have the sponsors that we have for the Deep Place podcast, um, and and. These sponsors, like the the Practice Co, seriously, if you listen to um, the Deep Place podcast and love it, I know you're going to love the Practice Co. Um, Liz Mullaney speaks with the same kind of mm, something that I, that I'm trying to bring into um, into the Deep Place. She shares from that same vulnerable, authentic. Uh, creative reflective heart on the spiritual journey um, and if you uh, if you love the deep place podcast you're going to love the practice code so go check them out at thepracticecode.com At ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry, which you can do online studies within, uh, they've got a whole host, a whole suite of spirituality units, all of them focused about spiritual formation. My creativity and spirituality unit that I teach is within that, uh, but there's a whole lot of other things. And, and really what the focus is on is how do we go from being who we are now to who we want to be? And how do we wrestle in that liminal space where we want to leave things behind and we don't know exactly yet the new thing that we're coming to, um, but what does what does spiritual formation look like, therefore, in, in our everyday lives? Um, how do we create patterns, rhythms, 
of, of living uh, that will help us engage in our spiritual life. Go and have a look at their spirituality unit at acom.edu.au. I'm sure you're going to find some amazing things that you would love to do. When do you bring in, like you're bringing in from the get-go thoughts on how this translates to the audience as a director, as a as a producer, both of those roles, do you encourage, and obviously as you're directing actors and stuff, you're also thinking how it's going to, mm-hmm. um, like with the, the writing, I'm just thinking the writing process, so much of that there's like, there's a part where you almost want to say, don't think about the audience yet. Like, don't cause don't let that just play and then bring the audience in. But theatre is a little bit different where it's straight up. You're like, actually, we need to, as we're creating in the writing, let's be thinking about the audience. Yeah, I mean, theatre right? doesn't exist without an audience. They are yeah. completely enmeshed in the microcosm of, of theatre. They, they are the linchpin to it all. It doesn't, you know, so it has to be, in my view, it has to be for them and really mm. an understanding of who them are <laughs> and um, you will more often than not have a, you know, a, a good idea of who your audience is for any given project and you have to, yeah, kind of understand that. That's not to say that you have to give them, you know, you have to make them completely comfortable all the time or that you have to, you know, but you do have to kind of know them and, and understand that, mm. okay, they, for example, I often say to actors, if it's a really kind of heavy text-driven show or something, and I I say, look, you have to be constantly creating meaning because they only get to hear this line once, once. It's a fleeting moment. And so through tone, intonation, pace, rhythm, um, you have to also indicate where they are in the story and the characters, journey, mm. what they should be, fit, not should be, but what they could be feeling in this moment so that you're constantly guiding them through to where you want to go. And so, wow. and, and you know what, I, I get, I've got literal goosebumps because I think theatre is just so wonderful. <laughs> how awesome, how awesome that, especially in this day and age, a whole bunch of people who don't know each other, sit Mm. dark and experience Mm. something that can only be experienced in that moment it will never happen the same again again ever so because it's human and it's like real it's happening right before you and you know there's this awesome um article recently some scientists did a study about the heart rates of people who who were in a theater and experiencing a, a show together and by look, don't quote me on any of this, but partway through the <laughs> partway through the show, it didn't take too long, about half an hour or so, their heart rates and heartbeats became in sync. Wow. And in the theater. And it continued afterwards, about 20 to half an hour um, after the show. So what the hell? I know this beautiful feeling of like people coming mm. together experiencing Mm. something together um, that hopefully, you know, there's no distractions and that you are completely immersed in a different world. I just think that is so awesome. That act of theatre, so the going to it, means that you're not alone. You're experiencing Mm. something together. And then the actual story within that theatre also hopefully indicates to you that you're not alone. So you're seeing characters have the same emotion as you they're seeing situations that perhaps you can relate to that you know there's 
there's despairing moments that you thought, gosh, I thought that was just me. No, it's not, you know? So I love that both the act and the actual Mm. content can indicate that we're just, we're not alone. We're, We're doing this together and there's so much beauty and chaos and mess in all of it. Uh, I love it. Gone off on a tangent. I, I no, it's a wonderful tangent. The, it reminds me of the medium is the message, that phrase from Marshall McLuhan, advertising, et cetera, um, that our, actually the way we communicate something is just as important as the content. And I love that what you're saying is theatre, the the mechanism, the, the medium of theatre, it is so rich in and of itself as to what it does to the human psyche to that i'm just picturing like the anxious person coming in with their heartbeat fluttering 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 and then they come into this space and slowly over the course of this show their heartbeat slows down and gets in sync with the like that's a beautiful thing isn't it isn't it? regardless of what the show is about like just just, just that, that is that. amazing just being so with good. other people in community how special how special we're just so we yeah it's so you can't get that stuff on netflix guys you you can't my heart my heartbeat is not going in sync with someone watching netflix over the other side no. of the world no way Oh, it's so good. I love it, Haley. So we have, let's give ourselves some constraints. We have, um, our, our constraints are we have two people or possibly one person. Might You can direct me or it could be a, a one-person mm-hmm. one moment or a two-person moment. We'll, yep. We can work that out as we go. Um, we have our audience constraints would be the listeners of The Deep Place who are creatives, who are kind of deep people, often listen to The Deep Place, people who feel a lot of empathetic people um, yeah. listen listen to this thing. And so there's a lot of struggling artists who listen. Um, so we're kind of where our audience constraints are a... A group of creative people. Let's put it like this: group of creative people who are trying to work through their own creative life and and make something of their own creativity. The constraints of of two people. We have no budgetary constraints. We can spend a million dollars right here on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is that enough constraints for us? Where do we go now? And we've got a fish in a bowl. Doesn't know that it's wet. That's where we're at so far. Put your director hat on. Let's. Let's go. And do we, so no constraints. So this doesn't have to be performed on this podcast. Is that right? Uh, no, we'll do it. Oh, yeah, that's a constraint. So we have a time constraint. What am I talking about? Time constraint. Time and so we, we want to, our end product wants to be presented on this podcast. Yeah, like in, right? yeah, like in a few yeah. minutes' time. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So that's great, good. Great, that's great. good to know. All right. So it might be a one minute piece, let's say. That's a, uh, that's a good thing. One minute piece. Let's aim for that. <laughs> I teach this, um, I teach producing at Excelsior and we, I think the students are constantly amazed by the level of questions that, <laughs> that, that need to be asked whenever you approach a, a you know, a creative project, particularly in, in the theatre world when you're producing something. It's so good, but it's the way that you, like, because before you create anything, you have the whole world is your oyster and already just through asking maybe 10 questions, a quote and a num- and eight, nine, 10 constraints, we've already constrained the, the, we could have done anything in the world, but now we're here, we've narrowed it down. And so perhaps asking, 
perhaps asking these questions as we come into any creative project, actually, that's going to help us to go deep very fast if we, because otherwise we get choice anxiety, we get all that kind of stuff. Yes, complete overwhelm. And I think, I mean, this is something that you are a bloody master at, but doing something like this kind of every day or as much as you can, you know, how brilliant just to to get rid of yeah those that anxiety or the overwhelm or the trying to filter ourselves all the time because it's got to be excellent and i'm i'm loving this, uh, this is good. good good okay where are we going with it where are we going with it director all right, so what I want you to do, okay what i want you to do meanwhile this is not my wheelhouse by the by <laughs> give me a script and i will like be able to stage it for you but um so, <laughs> uh, so what i want you to do is i want you to write down yeah. Uh, we've got a pretty so an image that springs from this a real image or, or situation, situation that springs from this quote for you so you might want to use your own home life or a relationship that's like um that you've experienced before just a sentence or two about a situation that uh, comes to mind when you think of this quote okay Great. So a situation, um, not a metaphoric situation, but a real situation. Um, Let's go with uh, walking down the street and I see, uh, who do I see? I see someone that's not in my fishbowl. Who do I see? Who's, I mean, there's so many people not in my fishbowl. Um, I see a um, a homeless woman hmm? on the side of the street. Okay, perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Now, next thing. So uh, I'm walking down the road and I see a homeless woman on the street. Yeah. Um, could we just quickly add in, make it even more layered personally? So is it down, is it on your street or is it on like I'm walking down my street and I see a homeless woman. Like, I just want to connect it even further to um, your sense of place. Okay. So in your territory, let's make her in your your territory. In, your, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah. What if, what if my territory, like, I, I could do it near my house, but what if I've just... Um, what if I've just walked out because I'm a performer? I've just walked out of a performance of a, a poetry gig and I'm walking along the street. Um, so I've gone from being, because I'm what I'm finding interesting would be that juxtaposition. I've gone from being on stage to now I'm just walking home alone at night from that. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So you've got that sentence. Then I want you to do, we're going to go into a um we're going to split a filtered version of your reaction and then an unfiltered version. Or sorry, an unfiltered version and then a filtered version. Okay. So I want you to, this is like not you personally. This is a character that we're, yep. we're creating. This is a dramatic character and it's a dramatic device, okay? Yep. So we're not saying that Joel Macero reacts in this way naturally, but drama is, you know, life amplified to make a point. Yeah. So even though this is even though this is in my place in my context, I'm still giving myself the real Joel McCarrow some distance from this actor who is the one this person this character who is the one walking along the street and sees the homeless person. Yeah, and maybe you know my is like the character is called um, I don't know Dave. 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 Yeah, what a great Dave. name, Dave. My name's Dave. <laughs> character called Dave. Actually, maybe you're not coming out of a poetry gig then. Okay. Let's say you're just walking down the street, Dave. Okay. 
go and do grocery shopping or something. Okay. So then I want to explore like two kind of little directions. So what's Dave's completely unfiltered thoughts about this person? Okay. Do you want me to Im- to improvise some unfiltered? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Great. Ah, oh, there's that. Uh, I'm just going to speak it and yeah, and absolutely see what happens. Um, walking down the road. Ah, oh, there's that woman again. I see her so much. She's just constantly there outside the shops, and I know, like, it's that. Uh, I know she's going to ask me again for some coins. And every time I walk past, I feel that guilt thing. And so I want to give her some money, but I don't want to give her some money too. Like I can't give her money every time I walk past. I've flicked her some money a few times. But now it's just, it's that awkward thing. She, like she's here all the time. And now she knows me and I kind of know her and she still asks me for money. And I can't, I don't know what to do in this situation anymore. Where do I go with this? Go even, go even more um, uh, judgmental. Let's let's um, comment on how she looks or. And I don't even or- know. I don't even know what. Like, if I give her this money, I don't even know what she's doing with it. I know, like, part of me would think that she wants the. I don't know. She's going to use it for food. That's what she says, or to get the bus home, or to get some accommodation. But I know she's just going to use it for drugs, like or alcohol, or, or drinking, or something. Like I know she's that kind of woman. I can see it. She's she smells like booze. She's um, every time I walk past, she's dirty. I don't. I just. I don't know. I think she's just going to use it for drugs, or whatever. Okay, perfect. Oh, it's cool. so it's so challenging because so much of this is like I'm separating this from myself now, which is great because this is not. <laughs> and now I feel like I'm almost got to justify because I know this is not how my internal um, working. So I'm putting all this judgment from this character, Dave. But part of me then I've got to kind of step aside from my own because I just want to go and uh, just. It's not yeah, how I. Jump. Yeah, you're like, oh, you're like oh, you know, what do you need and like. Are you okay? And yeah, yeah, that's how, right. Or just, or just even an open smile. Yeah, like that's what you probably do. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but this is the great thing about like exploring the extremities of humanness is because then, like, if every character was was politically correct and like super perfect and yeah. like. Like, oh, what does that homeless lady need in this moment? I'm going to stop and it's just not not like that. No. As much as we'd like to be, yeah. you know, this fish in a bowl doesn't know it. it's wet. Like maybe in that Dave character's kind of unfiltered stuff, maybe you'd explore more, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't have time to stop now because I got to go and get the car serviced or go and get the car waxed and polished. You know, I don't. You know, this is very simplified. Please, you know, but you know that whole idea of someone's human need is is you know your privilege of getting your Porsche waxed and polished. Yeah, and then like theatrically, then but you could say you could like have you know I was walking down the street, this saw this person. Then how about you write now yeah. if you can write a sentence. That is a unfiltered version. Yeah, a, a version of what you've just said, but just a sentence. One sentence. Yeah. Okay. And then I want you to write an actual thing that Dave might say out loud to the woman, unfiltered. Yeah, cool. Okay. Then I want you to write dot, dot, dot is what I wanted to say. So the in, so internal dialogue and then yeah. what he might but, say. Yeah, but we're going to say it as if he's just gone straight out the gate. As in he wants to say this or as in he's being um, socially acceptable in what he says? He No, no, he wants to say this. This is his unfiltered, true, privileged feelings. Got it. 
Okay, here's what I'm writing. I hate this awkward moment of walking past this bloody... Dave Dave's uses the word bloody because yeah. he's an Aussie. Walking past this uh, bloody homeless lady. I, like that... What's gripping me is like that awkwardness. You know, that awkward thing um, yeah. of... Because there's something in Dave... Because I want to like Dave as well. Um, I'm not going to be able to... Do a really complex character. <laughs> yeah, just, we're really looking at an issue. It's an issue based theatre. <laughs> rather based than theater, not the complexities of Dave's inner. Inter- <laughs> nah, nah. Backstory. No. I hate this. Is it a statement? Like, just bloody get out of my way, you stink. Oh, God. Do right. that. Just bloody get out of my way, you stink. Just something that is like horrible, cutting. Then look, let's let's pretend this is a one-minute monologue. So you're walking down the street, and I say, "Just bloody get out of my way! You stink!" Is what I should have. Uh, that is what I wanted to say. Ah, uh, yeah, that. cool. Yeah. And then next, let's have a some kind of like, can we have some kind of realization from Dave? Yeah. Um, look, this. Yeah. Um, oh, do we need to? Do we need to be that neat with it? I don't think we do, actually. I'm sorry. Let's not have a realisation. No realisation. No, let's just have him exist in his privilege. Okay. So because it's an example, right? It's not we don't have to neatly tie everything up for the audience. They, they're they smart. Yeah, absolutely. People- yeah. Just bloody get out of my way, you stink, is what I wanted to say. So now I'm, this is, this is monologue towards the audience. Yeah. Is what I wanted to say, but there's no way that I could. Um, yeah. All this, all this political correct crap. Yeah. Where we have to pretend that the these people. Why did not you just get a job? There yeah. you go. That's a, these people are worth anything in our society. Why doesn't she just get a job? She's probably just an addict anyway. Yeah. Anyway, there's no way that I'm going to give her money today. No, I, we're talking past tense. There's no way that I was going to give her any money. Mm. What if something happens today, just like it's this is super short, that <laughs> some kind of outside force that reveals his privilege. Yeah. So someone comes running after him and says, oh, sir, sir, you've, um, or his hypocrisy or something. So, sir, you've forgotten your, um, <laughs> so you've forgotten your drugs or you forgot uh, like you know he's so he's accused her of something oh yeah 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 and then it's like he's just doing a clean white version of it you know yeah <laughs> I, know. I like i really like that idea you know someone else comes in that could be my character yes we can give you a character <laughs> <laughs> that's it we've like created like a little scene that is so is it is it that she stole something or she... she or what no. if it's the build-up to this moment where he's walking towards her and he's like, she's just going to... I know she's going to ask me. I'm going to just... I'll just won't even look at her. I won't even look at her. And the build-up is she's going to... She's like... This, she's obviously going to say something and, and he's going, she's going to beg, she's going to beg. Um, but then there's the what she actually says... So, and it's something that like helps him, and and that's where that like the scene would end. It's like, oh, sir, your shoelace is undone, or like, yeah. So he actually, yeah, she. 
oh, you you just left your car lights on, mate, something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you dropped your keys back there. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. You just dropped all, all money because he's like, I'm not going to give her money, and uh, he's just dropped, yeah. dropped 50 bucks. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. Got it. So what is that moment? Like we just, so we just hit on this moment, which is kind of the, the clincher. What is that moment that we would like take it out of the context of this story? Because yeah. there's always that's that moment. What is that moment? Because as soon as you get that, you're like, that's the magic. There it is. What is that? It's a moment of connecting the story or where the story, is it a climax of the story or not even that that specific? It's the, yeah, in any creative process where it kind of falls into place, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that a way of saying it? That often, like, in um, independent theatre anyway, it often, <laughs> that falling into place happens um, terrifyingly late in the process. <laughs> it depends on what you're working on. On, but like, on like, opening know, night is all you <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Every night or preview or something, you think, oh, gosh, you know, we still haven't um, quite gotten completely there yet. Yeah. And then it often locks in. Is that actually the case? Because you always, like, that's in movies and things like that is everyone's, like, panicked oh. and it's opening night and then, and but then suddenly it drops, like the magic drops. Does, is that actually the case with theatre shows? Look, absolutely. I think, you know, there's not a sense of panic in professional, in a professional setting, but it is certainly internally from the director's point of view, I will often be like internally panicking that like, oh, just don't think we've quite, yeah, locked in yet. And you know what? So often that's just about having a room full of people there. Uh, they are, the audience really are the missing piece. Yeah. It ha- brings on a, a life of its own. It shouldn't, you know, professionally the show shouldn't change at all because that would be terrifying. <laughs> unless it's improvisational <laughs> theatre, unless it's right, playback right. theatre, yeah. But something does fundamentally change when you have an audience and often that is the missing piece. Is it the energy of the, so the energy of the room change? and it, I think so. The stakes, I mean, for an actor, you imagine the stakes stakes are completely different. You are are absolutely, like, acting is terrifying if you actually think about it. Like, there you are completely exposed and at the mercy or at the, you know, and being watched every single move. And so that's why technique and rehearsal and practice and hard work comes into it so that an actor can have those things to fall back on on a, in a very, very highly intense environment. And I'm saying, like, I'm not meaning that in high intense in terms of, like, an emotional character. Yeah. I just mean the very act of of doing a show in front of a silent audience watching and you know anything can can go wrong yeah. or like you just it's it's terrifying yeah <laughs> so even even without the audience we just got to that i think for like for me cuz i i find it in all the writing that i do etc 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 um and you it's that thing that you know when you hit it you know when you hit the magic it's like a pivotal it's the pivotal moment where everything changes maybe that's it it's like the like we talk about it as in story theory as the inciting incident. Like it's that moment where there yeah. was this world and then 
boom, there's something, some, and it could be the tiniest moment. Like it's just the dropped $50 note, but this dropped $50 note and this response from this woman, this, like, this is the moment that could change Dave's whole entire trajectory of his life. Or he might just go continuing on being a, an ignorant whatever. And so I wonder if it's picking up even if it's small, it's picking up the moment that could change everything. That's, that's, it's that magical pivot. That's what, because as soon as we got it, it was like, yeah, that's, we both knew that that was yeah. it and there was the energy around it. And I wonder if, if pivot is kind of the right word. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking while you're speaking of the French word, um, denouement, which means kind of that final part or the final solution part where, where we understand what's gone before. We understand the setup now and we have the, the final piece of information. Yeah. It's, you know, something is resolved, something is explained, something has changed, that kind the of puzzles, thing. Yeah. The puzzle pieces finally fit and they come together. What I'm wondering is someone sitting there going, I don't get those things. Don't. Like, um, I just do the slog of my creativity and I never seem to get to that moment. I want more of those moments. I wonder how, is there a way that we can come to more of those moments in our creativity? Like, is there things that perhaps you yes. even would say to your students or whatever, that's like, yeah. if you want to come to more of those moments, this is some things you could do. Is there any thoughts on that? Definitely. I mean, I feel like for me personally, collaboration uh. is is. Yeah. So even if you're in a medium where that's not, you know, maybe you're a painter and you, you know, that's not really thing. But I still think there is um, community so that you could, if you're not getting that aha or you're not getting that whatever it is uh, in that medium, yeah, community. So chatting it through with someone, mm. asking for not necessarily advice, but say, oh, can I brainstorm something with mm -hmm. you? And be a listening ear while I almost talk to myself. Like if it's a very individual type artistry. But certainly for me, I mean, traditionally the, you know, the director is seen as kind of the the center of all decision making and the person which everything kind of hinges mm. on. And I really try to to work against that trope. Like mm. I I believe that if true collaboration Firstly, in my industry and from my experience is that if you choose very wisely who you work with, so making sure that you have hired or brought on the right people for the job, yeah. um, and that means with the right skill and also the right um, fit team-wise, unity-wise, yeah, yeah. collaboration. Um, I think like uh, the success of a show is 90% in the casting. Wow, really? Wow. <laughs> Really, truly believe that. Yeah. And as a direct, if you're a director out there, then you know you could have most of your job done if you really choose wisely wow. in terms of casting. We just had on this um, show. We just had Grace Naum. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, we're doing one of the episodes of this season is an interview that I did with Grace, um, who was one of your lead actors. So your casting yes. of her, exactly what you're talking about. Um, and it yes. sounds like it was a very successful show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was, I knew, and I often think that way when I read plays. So um, part of my just regular practice is I constantly see theatre, constantly. Mm. So I see something a week, mm -hmm. wow. at least. 
Um, and oh, that must be a hard I, part of your uh, career there. I have to go and yeah, see all these yeah. wonderful theatre shows. <laughs> <laughs> but also hard with a family oh, yeah, and, yeah, a, and a husband. Yes, yeah. But, like, I can't wait till Max is older and I am just, I'll, I'll see it four times a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he can be left by himself, we're, we're in business. <laughs> but so I see things all the time. I try and read plays all the mm. time. Um, and part of that is seeing actors out there. Mm-hmm. So you're doing your own like research as you go and seeing things. And then as I read plays, I often will uh, will picture someone. Someone will immediately often come to mind mm. who I've seen. And what I do too is it feels a little bit stalkerish, but I see someone in a show um, that I think, wow, like they have, you know, there's something really interesting about this, this person, this actor. Yeah. I'll just make a note of them right there. Um, we've got a little file um, in Clockensville and we just keep a little note of people and and because then, you know, that's part of your business practice yeah. and, and creative practice is to know what talent is out there and, yeah. and the right people for the job. So, And what's the key thing, like with Grace, what, what's the key thing that you're looking for? With her, um, so Grace naturally as a human being yeah. <laughs> has this beautiful like calm reflective i don't want to say vibe yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's a yeah yeah it's a, pre- a presence yeah, yeah. a presence yeah. and it's like twinge with this like fun yes. and sparkiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. and i knew that as i read molly sweeney this character was exactly that uh. she was grounded she was sure of herself. She had a massive hurdle in that she's blind, wow. but she never used that as a as a crutch or a. And I just felt like it was, you know, Grace's whole, you wow. know, <laughs> presence about her embodied that. And then I knew she could act as well. I knew I'd yeah. I'd worked with her in a tiny role. She did this awesome like New York. Um, prostitute role for me one time yeah. it was like only five lines and she was just this like gregarious thing so I was like okay I know she can do accents because yeah. this obviously only had to be an Irish accent and yeah so I just thought of her straight That's away great. and um, i so grateful that she said yes yeah, she was absolutely brilliant brilliant Um, so where are we at? Where are we at with our thing? So I reckon, so the dialogue at the end, let's go from, you've said the line around, I'm not giving her any money. Probably um, just an attic anyway. There's no way that I was going to give her any money. And maybe we switch back now just because we've used the device before as a, like, back into the scene. So maybe we switch to, look, lady, I'm not interested today. Please, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, not today. Yeah. Please, not today. I, you know, I don't have any money. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. I don't have yeah, any money. Yeah. And then we can have her line. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. Mate, you dropped a 50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, mate, you just dropped your yeah. 50 on the pavement behind you. Short and sharp. It would be good to have the different rhythms. So Dave being all like, look, uh, you're not today, please, not yet. Look, I just don't have time today. Blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. that rhythm. And the lady just straight straight through with the, hey, mate, you dropped a 50. Yeah, yeah. And then if we were a visual medium, we would see him pick it up and walk away. And we? walk away with his tail between his legs. Yeah. Uh, should we have a, should we have a, like an awkward response from him then? Like, oh, um, oh uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Just like a, I think just a straight out thanks. Yeah, good. 
power in the silence. What about a yeah, thanks? Or just thanks? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a thanks. The thanks has to have like a bit of like depth and drop in it, like a oof. Yeah. Oof, it's an awful moment. Yeah. So good. Look, this is not going to win the Pulitzer <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and the problem that I'm the problem that I'm realizing here is that you've just said the success of anything is ninety percent about casting, and your your major constraint is that you're forced to cast me right now. <laughs> Which you know I have acted before once. You have, and I saw you, and it was good. Oh, thank you. That's that's an honour for you to say that. That was really um, in in uh, what was it called? What did we do with Anna? What? People of the Sun. Yeah, people the people of the, of the sun? sun. Yeah, that's right. That's lovely of you that you said that it was good. Because that was, I mean, that was huge. And people, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that people would know that was like my first acting since a shutdown moment in high school. Like, obviously, I perform from stages all the time, These like, but I got shut down in high school and I never dialogue, like character-based acting again until that, what was that, five years ago or something like that, that we did that. So that's like from when I was maybe... 14 till I was like 34 I never character-based acting and I loved character-based acting in like year so I got shut down probably about year eight something like that but year six seven like I loved it and it would have been something that I would have gone into I shut it down and didn't do it again until that moment isn't that crazy was that from a teacher that was from a teacher yeah yeah, it was from a teacher mm-hmm. um, because my face goes red mainly, and so um, and so the t- I said a cheeky comment in class. The teacher pointed it out. My face goes red. Everyone else is like, "Your face is going red. Your face is going red," and it just totally shut me down. And I I didn't speak again in front of people for a long time. I hated doing that. And then I confronted that, and then it became what I did every day of my life. Um, but mm-hmm. the acting thing, there was just I was. I couldn't go back to it for some reason because of that mm. shame until until I did People of the Sun with Anna. Isn't that just so like it's such a it's such a powerful example of of I mean all of us but particularly teachers and people who who have uh, who are speaking into young lives. Yeah. Is that even if even if you think this person is the worst actor in the world that person can still be a creative person. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, like to, to and say, oh, look, you'll never act. You'll never act. But, you know, I just think there's such there's room for everyone. Yeah. And everyone will find their own path. Mm. And such a small percentage of people act full-time anyway. Like yeah. there's no point in telling people they can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's. Sorry, Joel. No, that's okay. So you're stuck with me now. Um, should we have a Should we have a run through and see how it goes? Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to say Pulitzer Prize, but it's not a Pulitzer Prize. What's the big uh, theatre? Tony. The Tonys. Tony yeah, Award. our Tony Award winning uh, stage show, not stage show, podcast show, radio show. Uh, doesn't have a name yet. It's called Dave. <laughs> it's just called Dave. Dave. Yep. Dave. Just bloody get out of the way, you stink. That's what I wanted to say to her, but there's no way that I could. All this political correctness where we have to pretend that these people are worth anything in our society. Why doesn't she just get a job anyway? She's probably just an addict. There's no way that I was going to give her any money. 
Look, lady, I'm not. I'm not interested today. Not today. I'm just. I'm too busy. I don't. I don't have any money. Sir, sir, what? sir. You dropped your fifty. Uh, you dropped your fifty. Thanks. Cut. How was that? How did we go? Yeah, I that was good. Good. that was good. That was that was something. Good. That was look. It's not going to win an award, <laughs> but it's something. It's something. And like it's such a good example of like that didn't exist, and now it does. And, and now it does. And probably aside from this podcast, it will never exist anywhere else ever again. Absolutely not. It won't. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and maybe at the end of this podcast, we'll both go, "What the hell did we just do? Let's not put this podcast up." No, but actually, I want to because I think it's I think it's brilliant because it it has tapped into the creative process, the constraints, the having that initial idea born out of a quote, bringing it into the reality of an everyday life situation, uh, into both dialogue and internal monologue reflecting, into that pivotal moment that we found, that magical moment that we found that that possibly could change everything for Dave or not. Like that's golden stuff in terms of creative process. Right. It's a, it's a little structure that we've created there and it just means that anyone could do that. Yes. You know, if you're yeah. do that same thing and do a minute painting and say to yourself, there's constraints of this, it's this size and it's got to be finished in, you know, 10 minutes and, you know, whatever. Just to do I think is so good and that's something that you taught me and that I think you're you're brilliant at is that you just do and you know you don't sit around waiting for other people mm. for other people to say that you can be creative now mm. no you can do it you, you're doing it now yes <laughs> we really just cool. did it at, at, I, yeah. I loved this little thing <laughs> so good <laughs> Um, Hayley, this has been one, I've loved this little creative experiment that we've got to do together. Um, it's so good to have you on the podcast, maybe just to come into land for you. There is probably some budding actors, some budding creative producers, creative directors um, in this, uh, who are, have been listening to this going, these guys are insane. What the hell are they doing? Um, but then also thinking what, what? What did you, what, well, here's my question. What did you need to know when you, either when in those moments where you've been struggling and wanted to give up or back at the start, what do you, what do you want to say to people that you feel like, oh, I wish I knew this going into this stuff, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it took me ages to figure out um, coming out of drama school, like where I kind of fit hmm. and uh, something that I've really, yeah, okay, I'm trying to do this logically. There's <laughs> so many things. But um, figure out what success looks like yeah. for you. Try to examine um, a world where it's not a um, Hollywood version of being an actor mm. or, you know, you know, what does it look like success-wise? Does it look like that you are doing it in an indie scene um, in Sydney? Is is Does that successful? Mm. Then fantastic. Go, go towards that. I think um, try in that same vein 
What does it look like to you? So try not to compare whatever other people are doing in their, that's their lane. And you can only do what you can mm. do. You, you, there's only one of you in all of time. You know, is it Martha Graham? Is that the, the quote? Yeah, there's only one of you. And so there's something beautifully unique that you can do um, creatively. So don't worry about what mm. other people are doing. I think finding if you're really early in the stage and you're not quite sure, you know, what your real thing is within this creative mm. world, finding the the sweet spot between ability, affinity and opportunity is really important. So ability, affinity and opportunity. Explain those. Ability, what, what you're good at, your skills, your training, affinity, what you love mm. to do, what you care about, what makes you cry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and opportunity. So what is in your hand right mm. now? Um, what are, what resources do you have right now? No extra money coming, just, just what you have. And find the sweet spot where all, and there will be one where all of those things mm. intersect. And it is incredibly freeing um, to find that intersection and then just go from mm. there. And so for me, just to give you a practical example of that, for me that was finally figuring out that um, if I make my own theatre, I make my own opportunities. So I'm not waiting for an audition. I'm not waiting for someone else to do my favourite yeah. play. I'm not waiting um, to be invited to do whatever. You know, I'm going to put on this play. And in the beginnings, it's, you know, low scale. It's in very small venues. It's low risk stuff. But that was my kind mm. of in and found that firstly I was creating opportunities for myself to act in the roles that I wanted to play and then later now it's more about artistically directing stories in a way that, uh, you know, communicates certain ideas to people. So that was my intersection rather than, you know, being a, just an actor waiting at home for a call. I just started to create my own work and that was kind of that intersection between ability, affinity and and opportunity. So good. It's some golden, golden, golden advice, I think, for anyone, especially kicking off um, and beginning and trying to work out where they had those three things coming together is fantastic. Um, Hayley McQueen, not the British uh, broadcaster, but the <laughs> absolutely incredible creative director uh, who has created the new show, Dave, coming, coming to you soon. Dave. <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> um, that was, it's been wonderful to have you on the Deep Place podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. What a what a privilege. Um, Clock and Spiel Productions, where can people find out more about it? Yep, uh, www.clockandspielproductions.com. Um, yeah, and, and um, follow us along there or follow us on all the regular socials and, um, yeah, we, we kind of update things there and can see what's happening with us. So good. Thank you, Hayley, for being on the show. Thank you.